welcome to Cannons on the Run, a podcast out of St. Norbert Abbey in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Frater Jonathan. And I'm Frater Jordan. And we're here to continue telling you about all things formation. This is part of our special summer series where we interview other confers of ours who you don't get to hear from on our show. And today's special guest is our confer, Father Matthew Doherty. Father Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, Father Matthew, please tell us a little bit about ourselves so that our listeners can know who you are and where you are in our order. Okay. Uh, I've been a priest for three years now. I joined the, the St. Norbert Abbey in 2009, right out of college. So you've been in it for nine years? Yeah, nine years in August, I think. Wow. Nine years in August. And your journey is different than ours in that Frater Jordan and I went and had different professions before we joined. And like you mentioned, right. you joined the order right out of college. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So for the listeners who don't know, we are all more or less age mates just at various points throughout the order. So you've heard Frater Jordan and I talk about, I'll be taking simple vows at the end of the summer. I'll be making solemn vows at the end of the summer. And then as you Ending heard, being a deacon. Yeah. At the end of the summer. God willing. Yeah. <laughs> I plan to. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And as you heard, Father Matthew has been ordained three years. And the two of you were at St. Obert College for a couple of years. You overlapped, right, at the same time? For two years. You were, you were 2011? Yeah. I graduated 2009. Yeah. Did you know each other very much at the college when you were there? Not really. I knew that you uh, were friends with one of my friend's girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole. Yeah. And my friend Adam was dating Nicole, so I knew of you through that. Yeah. And a little bit through the church, I saw you around. Uh, yeah, I mainly only knew Father Matthew by name. Saw him <laughs> once in a while. Uh, but I was telling, while I was telling my friend Nicole, I was still discerning, and Father Matthew was entering. So I saw him during the Feast of St. Augustine, and I was, I was telling Nicole about it, and I'm like, yeah, you know that, you know Adam's friend? I'm like, I think he's a Norbertine now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Wow. But then I was, my second year novitiate, I was at St. Norbert College a little bit, helping out with things, and I also saw you, I got to know yeah. you more then. So uh, my second year novitiate was when we kind of first connected a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Father Matthew just nurtured the seeds of vocation <laughs> no, within me. Not true. Just no idea. The seeds are being planted, coming to fruition. Water, sunlight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right. So, Father Matthew, what are you currently doing now? I am a PhD student in ecology and evolutionary biology at Yale University. And so I'm preparing to be a professor at the Norbertine College, the only Norbertine College in the world, St. Norbert College in De Pere, Wisconsin. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm still in school. How long is this program? I mean, you just finished what year of how many? I just finished most of my first year. On average, it takes a PhD student in my field about five and a half years to do a PhD. I don't have a master's degree in any sciences, so I'm going straight for the PhD. So that that might add a little bit extra time. But for the most part, I think it takes the average person five and a half years. And it can be as few as four years, or it can be as many as, as six or seven, depending on funding. But I think they try to push you out at five <laughs> and a half or so. It's kind of <laughs> You're taking up room. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's the plan. So I'm, after this year um, is completely finished. I hope to be done in four more years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How do you feel about that? I mean, you had undergrad, 
then you had your Masters of Divinity and everything before ordination, and now this is more schooling. I mean, right. part of the reason I was never interested in a doctorate of any kind when I was younger was thinking about how many years of school that is. Yeah. What are you going to say, sorry? Well, and a Masters in Systematic Theology. Yeah, I think I love studying, uh, and I love school. Loser. <laughs> I know. I know. But there is something to it. I mean, there's still a bummer part about it, especially now I'm 31, so I'm, I'm a little bit older than, than the traditional PhD student at this, at this stage. But there are very few chances when somebody can devote their whole time to study. And I think Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas and the Catholic tradition has always found contemplation as one of the, the high points of human endeavors. And I think that's what traditionally the university is about, is about contemplation of truth. And I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to devote your life to. And I know it's not for everybody, but I think it's something that I really value and love. And so I feel super pumped to be able to do it. I mean, part of me wishes I could get out there in the world and, and be a little bit more active in other ways. But at the same time, I think I love the chance and I, I hope it will pay off in the future ministry as well. And I'm still active, and I, I'm, I still um, make it a point to practice my priesthood in parishes and in, in other contexts as often as I can. But I think the bulk of my ministry is geared towards the academic life at this point, and eventually we'll be teaching, which I'm both still thrilled about. Yeah, yeah. I feel that a lot of the language you use is not common knowledge today of how people look at things, especially coming from someone like you, a priest who's in academia, who is deeply spiritual and constantly communicating where they intersect or how they all fit together. And so, and that's part of why we wanted to interview you here for our podcast and share with our listeners is the unique perspective that you bring to our faith as someone who's studied science your whole life in a culture today where science and faith are often depicted as being in silos, separate and not intersecting ever. And that's that's clearly not the case for you. So uh, maybe that's uh, a way to enter in is, I guess, could you articulate for us and for our listeners, how does science fit into your life as a priest? Well, I, I think when we think about God, he is truth itself, right? He is goodness itself. He is truth itself. And all truth comes from that. So we think of the first words of the Gospel of John, uh, where the Son of God is portrayed as the logos, the rational principle, the reason behind everything, the intelligibility of the world. And so I think there's what is beautiful about our faith is that it emphasizes the fact that truth cannot contradict truth, that truth is one, it's unified. John Henry Newman, who was a cardinal, an English uh, cardinal who was convert to the faith, wrote a book called The Idea of the University. And in it, he makes this point that knowledge is one. It's one thing. And it all fits together through this logos, who is the word made flesh. And so ultimately, I think, you know, most people think of, when they think of priests, they'll probably think, oh, he's going to study theology, or he's going to study philosophy, which are two of the great disciplines that the church has really excelled in, among others. I mean, uh, but that's kind of stereotypically what priests study is philosophy and theology. But I think we ultimately believe that the world and all its laws and all of creation is indeed creation. It was created by God. And so to know something about creation is to know something about the creator. And I think it's another form of contemplation, again, 
And often science doesn't get portrayed that way. Some some people do, especially more theoretical scientists will talk about uh, that a little bit more frequently. But most scientists would not refer to science as a contemplative act. But I think in an, its essence, it, it ought to be, and especially for a Christian or a Catholic or, or a religious person in general who studies the sciences, I think it can be because ultimately to know more about creation is to know more about the creator. Mm-hmm. And I think that's valuable. And I think it's also valuable to show the world as a, as a witness that that we are not afraid of the intellectual life. We are not afraid and in fact, we embrace the intellectual life. We embrace the sciences. We embrace all these tools at our disposal with open arms to explore creation and to explore the creator. As I'm hearing it, it sounds like there's this very beautiful why that deeply entangles how you approach science and your studies through the priesthood, which is why these daily things like data gathering can be so meaningful. I would lose interest immediately if I had to go out and gather data and, you know, in a scientific way daily. I would just like, what am I doing with my life? But to me, it sounds, you know, I'm I'm being nice. (laughs) (laughs) Not insulting if you're area study. Just as a musician, like, I guess, let me say it that way. I believe in the beauty of music. And so things like going and sitting in a practice room and playing the same lick 300 times until it feels right, until it sounds right, until I can breathe through it. I'm fine with doing that. You know, so I guess we're all You are fine with doing that. Totally. I have no problem doing that. So you got to think it's the same thing. I, I do too. Right. I, that's yeah, why yeah. I just it fascinates me to hear you talk about it because oh, it helps me make that. Yeah, I wasn't saying that really well, okay. but it helps me connect that to realize I'm okay with doing this tedious thing in a musical sense. Sure. So it's really cool to hear, for me at least, to hear that from a scientific perspective. Yeah, I think especially for my field being ecology and evolutionary biology, it's kind of like a wildlife. A lot of the things I do. F- uh, or I will do for collecting data is out and I get to go on lakes and I get to sample fish. I study fish, by the way, uh, if you didn't know that. So, I, I mean, my office can be can be a lake on a sunny morning, which is like a beautiful, it's not tedious at all in some ways. Mm-hmm. I, there, there are definitely tedious parts to it uh, up to this point, and I'm sure there will be many more to come as I progress through this program. But, yeah, I think there's beauty in the small stuff if you can learn to see it. And I think ensuring that you learn to see the beauty in the small stuff is is a way to bring it all together. In some things that you already mentioned, Father Matthew, it seems like maybe we as a society have lost that why. Why do we do the tasks that we do? Are we just going, moving around mindlessly? Right. Uh, Even some of the great people in their field, in the sciences, in music or business, uh, teaching, are they just doing it to fill time or are they finding that higher reason? Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of we need purpose and meaning in our lives to find joy. And I think what can happen with a lot of the distractions of everyday life is you can learn to live with your head down and just live for what's coming immediately next. And so you live for the weekends or you live for um, little pleasures here or there. And I think what I think Catholicism and, and the church for 2,000 years has really emphasized to us is to lift our heads up and to look upward, keep our eyes on what's above, and stare those questions right in the face and ask the big questions about life. To be able to sit in silence, to be able to feel those questions emerge, and to ask them boldly. And I think that's crucial for finding that purpose. Otherwise, we can end up walking around mindlessly looking down at our phones or or being immersed in distraction, distraction, and never really finding 
the big picture. What I think with the beauty of Catholic faith is it tells you there is big purpose, and it's a person, and it's Jesus Christ. And that purpose will bring joy and will bring happiness and will lead to a fruitful life. So I think it's a crucial thing to ask those big questions about life. What you just said ties in wonderfully to the verse that we use as part of our approach to this podcast. We use Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2b that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every sin and burden that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the leader and perfecter of faith. There you go. Yeah. I think that ties in perfectly in this small work and the big work. Rid ourselves of those distractions, those, those things that cling to us and focus on Jesus Christ. I think that's awesome to hear that kind of language in the path that you're currently on. I appreciate that. It's really cool. Yeah, and it's difficult too. I don't mean to make it sound easy or that I don't get bored or, or, or frustrated <laughs> with tedium. I do, but I think the goal is there and I think the, the, the why can animate uh, the other things. So while you're doing all this work, that's, as you've mentioned, your primary focus, your ministry currently is a lot in your studies, which means you're not a pastor at a parish full-time, but you mentioned earlier that you are still celebrating the sacraments and doing quite a lot outside of just your studies at Yale. Can you expand on that a little bit for our listeners? Yeah. So even while I'm out in, in New Haven, Connecticut, I do my best to help out at a number of places, especially the St. Thomas More at Yale, which is kind of the primary uh, Catholic Archdiocese of Hartford ministry on campus. Uh, then there's an all-girls uh, Catholic high school that I help out every once in a while at called Sacred Heart Academy. And then the Dominicans run a big parish on campus, uh, a beautiful, beautiful parish called St. Mary's, which every once in a while I help in or I can celebrate some of their masses there too. I think the number of priests doing this kind of thing is dwindling. There are fewer than there were in the past. Uh, but I think it's still so important to have religious and priests and sisters and Catholic laymen and women as well, in the universities, in the hospitals, in, in the places where you might not be able to reach Catholics or where you might not be able to reach uh, other people. Of course, if we only expect people to come to the churches, uh, we're going to be missing talking to the rest of society. But mm -hmm. in these other places where there are more people who might not share our views, I think there can be greater engagement with the culture, which I think is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to be practicing all three parts of the priestly identity in diverse ways. And even with this identity that you speak about, Father Matthew, out in the field, you're not interacting <laughs> with people, like you're in waders in a, in a lake or something like that, I imagine. But yet that priestly identity is still with you. Yeah. But you're very visible on Yale campus because you wear your habit. I do. I, I, I can't wear it always, but I do uh, quite a bit. And I think... Uh, it's a way to let people know that, yeah, the Catholic Church is here too. It's everywhere. And it need not be a strange thing. Students walk in and they're like, oh, I'm in the wrong class. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, the wrong building. I think, I think some people get uh, nervous about it and don't understand it. But I think for the most part, people have been super accepting and kind. So, You talk so beautifully about how you find contemplation through every aspect of your life or try set these goals. That's a beautiful example for our listeners. Do you have any advice, words of wisdom to help people do that in their own lives, to seek contemplation? Yeah. 
I think I think a, an important part of contemplation for everybody is people to talk about your faith with. If you find yourself isolated, it can be very difficult to keep on reading things and to keep on entering into the, uh, asking these, some of these big questions. And I think one of the reasons I think sometimes contemplation gets wrapped up with the idea of community is because the two do go together very well because in community life we're free to discuss with each other the big questions of of life and i think this is what everybody can do whether that be by joining book studies or or finding friends who can read the scriptures with you or even as a family to get together before sunday mass and to read the sunday scriptures beforehand and to pray about them and to think them over and to, and to mull over them before you even hear a homily, how, how much that can inspire your experience at a Sunday Mass when all of a sudden then you hear how the priest is interpreting these things. So I think there's a million small ways, but I think a big part too is just starting to try to learn more about God, to learn more about the faith, to, to start reading, to watch good videos on YouTube of some of the great Catholic speakers and catechists and inspirational speakers today. I think all these are ways, and then to discuss them with friends, I think is is so important. And I think this, what what Frater Jonathan and, and Frater Jordan and, and I are part of is a community that really values this Augustinian idea of of friendship, which involves the importance of being able to communicate your faith with other people to bring about greater holiness and greater contemplation. So I think it's a very Norbertine ideal. It's a very Augustinian ideal. And I think it's one that the whole church uh, can benefit from in big ways. Well, thank you, Father Matthew, for uh, being willing to to be a guest on the podcast. It was really, really great to have you. Some great, deep intellectual thought and even taking a, taking a route that initially, as we were discussing, uh, we, we didn't think we were going to go down. Uh, looking at faith and science and finding the beauty in contemplation, I think is one of the main things that we talked about in discerning the bigger questions. So thank you for sharing your insights with us. Well, thank you. It's been good to be here with you all. If you want to find out more about the podcast, go to www.norbertines.org. Click on the podcast tab. If you want to let us know how we did, some other ideas, we would love some input. If there are things you are curious about or want to hear from about us, things that we've mentioned in passing, things that you want to hear more about, we've gotten a few comments like that. It's great. So that's part of our daily discussion. As we look at other things we want to share with you all as our listeners, click on contact the podcast team and let us know, please. And if you want Father Matthew back on our show, or yeah. if you're like, no, guy's not good. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. You can check us out on Apple's product. And uh, write a review. Rate us. Spread the word. Much appreciated. And subscribe. Subscribe. As you wrapped up here, talking about friendship and community and having a community of contemplation, as we sign off most of our podcasts, um, Please continue to pray for us, pray for one another, as we continue to discern God's work in our life, as we continue to journey in community, in one mind, in one heart, on our way to God. We continue to challenge one another and allow each other to grow in holiness. Holy Father, St. Norbert and Augustine, pray for us. us.